0: Hey everybody and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver. I'm here with my partner in crime and sister, Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. Excited to be here with you tonight. I'm excited we're finally starting this new case. I know. We've been promising it. We've had some bumps in the road. (laughs) We have had kind of a rough week when it comes to technology, yes. <laughs> yeah, we were going to record this episode Monday night, uh, which is later than normal, but we had been camping, and so, it's you know, we were playing, and yeah. uh, then Monday, we had a hellacious storm like come hurricane through. hurricane force mm-hmm. winds, and we live in Idaho, yeah. guys. <laughs> we don't get that, tearing enormous trees out of the ground, uh, you know, just tearing uh roofs off of barns and throwing houses or not houses. Wow. I mean, that would be crazy. Sheds uh, around, throwing trees into houses. Yeah. Trampolines wrapped around power poles, just crazy
1: stuff. Lightning struck a tree around the corner from my house and it, it exploded and transformers exploded and the house lit on fire and it knocked out all the power in
0: my neighborhood. was Mm -hmm. really scary. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. We didn't have power for many hours where I live. And some of the people around me, I mean, literally people that were a block from me didn't have power for about 36 hours. Now, luckily, mine came back after about five hours. (laughs) So I counted myself. My brother-in-law just got
1: their power back at two o'clock today. And today is Wednesday. And this Mm was um, Monday night. So, yeah, there was no way we could record because we couldn't even keep our power on. And the Internet kept coming and going and everything was crazy.
0: Well, and you guys should have heard it. Oh, the way the wind was tearing at the trees in the house. And <laughs> wow. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, So that kind of slowed us down. So last night we sat down to record and my computer had a complete and total meltdown. So it again didn't happen. So we just are trusting that tonight's the night. Tonight is the night we are getting this started. Dang it! Yes. So this will be at least a two-part series, maybe three. We're not quite sure. We we're not sure. We we've puzzled about how to break this up. It definitely has to be more than one episode. So yeah. Should we tear into it? Let's do it. All right. This happened in Rexburg, where I live, where we grew up. Uh, just like the Vallow case, and. Mm-hmm though this is a solved crime, kind of, uh, you know, we'll have some insights on all of it along the way. Uh, This happened a while ago, but starting in about 1997, police started getting calls uh, from family members requesting welfare checks to the home of David and Lorraine Kaneko and their daughter, Laura. They had an adult daughter who lived at home, and They, the police went multiple times and what they discovered was, uh, this family lived in a single wide trailer, uh, on the property of Lorraine's parents, her elderly parents, and that Lorraine and Laura were not leaving the house at all. Right. And multiple times when they came to the door, they would tell the police, this is how we have learned to live. We just want to be left alone. This You're is fine. how we have learned to live.
1: Several police mm-hmm.
0: officers quoted that.
1: Mm-hmm. And that is such a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. You know, that just tells yeah. you right there. Something is off. What do you mean this is how you've learned to live?
0: Yeah, it's a really strange, strange st- statement. And so anyway, and this is what's very strange about this, because this was a, a religious family. You know, they were mormons uh, as is you know most of this town and they weren't going to church at all and just literally these women were never leaving the house no. now david the the husband and dad he worked at the inl the inl is the international laboratory idaho idaho you know, <laughs> i don't know it's this place and yeah. Anyone around here knows. I mean, this is a place where lots of super secret stuff is done. Uh, in the 60s, they were testing nuclear sub- submarines in the uh, under- underground uh, watershed. There's been right. all kinds of top secret stuff happen at it's the a nuclear I&O. reactor, obviously. Yeah. yeah, it's a nuclear reactor. There's a lot of nuclear storage going on out there. And it's an extremely a highly classified place. And a lot of people around here do work there. And they get busted. in. Mm-hmm. It, it's you know, it's way out on the desert. And if you pull onto their land, they will be on you instantly. Like, oh, yeah. You can't go out there at all
1: Mm-mm. without the
0: proper clearance. But most people it's in kind these of an area, area
1: fifty one kind of place. Like, it, it really huge is huge
0: fences and
1: big signs and threats mm-hmm. threatening stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, and enormous buildings that go many, many, many stories under the earth. Yeah. You know, I, I know someone who's a guard in one of those buildings who works like 50 stories below the earth or some crazy thing. It's, it's really something, but yeah. anyway, uh, and that's maybe, you know, lots of stories for another day, but David worked there and he, and he worked in nuclear science.
1: Well, yeah, he trained Naval recruits
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, who were going to be living on nuclear submarines.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Really weird. Interesting. Mm -hmm. totally top secret stuff
0: and he had very high level clearance out there yes so one thing that happened was that as laura and lorraine had visited with the police a few times they said that in the last year he had not slept at home 64 times and they were kind of puzzling over that it was an interesting dynamic obviously. Yeah. Well, and, f- and they
1: were journaling everything. So mm-hmm. they knew it was exactly 64 times. They journaled things as literal as what time the furnace turned on and what time the furnace turned off. Mm-hmm. So they had all these records of just completely banal things, including when he didn't come home.
0: Mm-hmm. So the police in trying to figure out what the hell is going on with this family. Things just don't seem right. Yeah. But they didn't really have anything they could do, but they did make an inquiry into where was David going? Why wasn't he sleeping at home? Which actually turned into, opened up an espionage investigation against David that didn't bear any fruit, but it did drop his clearance level a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it turns out that
1: at that time, he had been reprimanded at work for working too much overtime and for sleeping out at the site at Mm -hmm. INL. And apparently that is a thing that can be done occasionally, but he was doing it way too much. Mm -hmm. And uh, so during that time, it was likely that that's where he was most of the time. Mm -hmm. Although no one knows for sure where he was the whole time.
0: Yeah. And it's not really pertinent to the case. It's just kind of a some insight into that things were strange things weren't weren't yeah right in this home Lorraine's family lived all around them her parents her brothers they all lived nearby they all went to the same ward in their church and they literally hadn't seen Lorraine and Laura in years yeah and so things were just very strange and you know and obviously not going well you know, as... Right.
1: They would accost David when he got off the the site bus and ask him what's going on with them. Where are they? Can they see them? And he would just always put them off that they didn't want to see anybody. They didn't want to have anything to do with anyone Mm
0: -hmm. because it was really
1: their only opportunity to speak to him because they wouldn't even
0: answer the door. Yeah. Yep. So, finally, they went for yet another welfare check and this time they... Burst into the house. Uh, Nobody was home. They knocked. They got nothing. They went in. And what they found was in a bedroom. Well, what they found was the most horrific smell you can imagine. Yeah. And hundreds of air fresheners hanging all over the house and multiple air freshener or, or air purifying machines. Now, this is a single wide trailer. Bear in mind.
1: Yeah. Uh, Small,
0: small space. Small and many fans blowing and a horrific smell. And when they investigated further into the trailer, what they discovered is that in one bedroom that was sealed up in one bed were the badly decomposed bodies of Lorraine and Laura. Yeah. They were both dead.
1: Now, they did have a warrant when they went in that time. They had gotten a Mm -hmm. warrant to forcibly... Take Laura and Lorraine out of the house for psychological evaluations.
0: Mm-hmm. The family was convinced something was wrong, yeah. convinced, but they couldn't prove it, and they had a hard time getting any help. Yeah. But yes, finally, warrants had been. They're
1: adults; they, issued. you know, they they can say, "I don't want to have anything to do with anyone," and no nobody can stop that, you know.
0: Yeah. So here we are. There's two dead bodies in this house. Yeah. And that have been dead for some time. Now they believe that Laura died first, correct? Yes. So Laura died first and within a couple of
1: years, mom died. Yeah. They think may or June of 2001 is when Laura died.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then in February, February 9th, I think of 2003, for some reason they have the exact date on Lorraine, but not quite on Laura.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that must've come from David. So, yeah, what little cooperation he gave. Yeah. So he had been living in this home with these decomposing bodies for years. Yeah, And people, of course, as you can imagine, were shocked. Uh, Their families were horrified and devastated. They were going about all their daily business, passing this home every day, living next door, And those women had been dead in there for years. Yeah. So the bodies, of course, were removed for autopsies. And the autopsies came back totally inconclusive. Yeah. There was no injury to either of them. There was no poison that they could detect. I mean, they were badly decomposed. But there wasn't any obvious cause of death. And so the cause of death was ruled malnutrition and sickness. Yeah, That's just as good as it got.
1: Random sickness.
0: Mm-hmm. So then they ordered a second set of autopsies yeah. because how could that possibly be the case? Right, right, right. And same result.
1: And they pulled in a really famous um, uh, anthropologist to do mm-hmm. these um, because the the first. Um, Pathologist had not had any experience with decomposed bodies because, you know, mm-hmm. guys, this is Idaho. This was in the early 2000s. Our community had never dealt with a case like this before. No. So they bring in this really famous guy. He's the he's the same um, anthropologist who did the autopsies on Saddam Hussein's sons. Weirdly enough, huh. and he couldn't find anything else either. He didn't add anything to what the the original pathologist had said. There was just mm-hmm. no way to prove anything beyond malnutrition and potentially some kind of illness.
0: Mm -hmm. The women were tiny. Yes. Already. They were both tiny, tiny women, uh, Chinese ladies. And Mm -hmm. they essentially, you know, it kind of appeared as though maybe they starved themselves to death. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yet why? What? You know, it was... It was a really, really crazy thing. And so, you know, the the police were determined. And, oh, yeah. and the prosecutor's office was determined to find a cause of death, figure out what the hell this horror was all about, and hold David accountable. Right. And it, they were having a fairly tough time doing it, considering that they had no causes of death. I mean, obviously, there are some obvious charges for not reporting their deaths and mm-hmm. for mishandling their remains but they wanted more you know they wanted some justice or something to uh really i think for their families you know yeah absolutely And but one thing they discovered the house was a horrific hoarder's den yes there were empty boxes like empty cereal boxes stacked clear to the ceiling with the dates they eaten written on them everything mm-hmm. the date on it everything with the date there were many bags of candy with a note of when this bag was opened, how many pieces were eaten and then it was just stuffed away yeah there was used toilet paper in yeah. bags yeah. there they, you can only imagine
1: how they horrific
0: the house was yes. yeah yeah they kept everything they labeled everything
1: They did. It took the police nine days to pull everything out of this house and catalog it. Mm -hmm. And they, what I read is that they even got like secretarial staff and jail staff out there with the police to try to help them because it was such Mm -hmm. a massive job.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and because the house itself was just such a grody, horrible. So bad. You know, after what was happening in there. And so they... You know, and people were just stunned. I remember this so well. Oh, yeah. I remember that house. It was, uh, it was out on what's called the Salem Highway or close to it. Uh, interestingly, the same actually. highway Chad Daybell lives on, yeah. lived on, yeah, uh, a few miles apart. But, yeah, yeah. Hmm. note to self. Well, right. anyway, <laughs> going <on out> there? <laughs> uh, the house isn't there anymore. It's mm. uh, it, it was destroyed. Yeah, uh, the,
1: there was no saving that, I don't
0: think. No. It's been gone for a while but um I did drive over there and look at the lot where the house used to be. There's nothing there now but uh, so there was a funeral. You know, the the uh, Sakota family. Lorraine was her maiden name was Sakota and and their family is well known in, in this area. The Sakotas oh, yeah. are very well known, well respected, wonderful people. Yeah. And they of course uh, did hold a funeral immediately for Laura and for Lorraine. Yeah. And put a beautiful, beautiful bench memorial in the, in the Rexburg Cemetery for them. Mm-hmm. And their obituaries indicate that, uh, due to the fact that it's an ongoing investigation, there is no timeline on when the bodies will be released for burial. Right. That's what was released at the time, you know, of this, the discovery of their deaths, and it was much later. Yeah, much later. Well, they so, they
1: did two autopsies, and you know yeah. they they did a bunch of stuff before they could release the remains.
0: Yeah, um, I, I had, and I have to say, the reason that I keyed into doing this case, I don't know why I hadn't thought about it before either of us, but yeah. I, I was visiting with a friend who was a police officer here in Rexburg at that time, who was involved with this investigation, and she had said to him, "I'm so surprised that Tammy Daybell's." autopsy hasn't come back it's just taken so long and he said oh no he said remember the Koneko case he said those autopsies took an extremely long time he said don't be surprised some of these things just take a really long time sure and she told me that and I went oh my god the Koneko case how have right. we not discuss this yeah, yeah. So one of the things that the police, sorry, that was a bit of whiplash, but (laughs) one of the things that the police discovered in the house was thousands and thousands and thousands of pages of journals. Yeah. Uh, Mostly Laura's, we think, but mom's as well, that they Mm -hmm. were both keeping, you know, obviously detailed notes of their day-to-day everything, but also of dreams and premonitions and beliefs and they had a lot to sort through there in order to, uh, you know, start trying to put something together in a case to try to understand what in the world happened to these women.
1: Yeah. Well,
0: and it wasn't so, like
1: David was giving them any
0: help. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. He didn't necessarily obstruct, but he didn't help them either. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he didn't try very hard to help them understand what was happening. No. So, what they found in the journals, uh, what they were able to piece together was that the family believed that Laura was supposed to marry a man who would become uh, the prophet or the the president of the Mormon church, of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Right. And Laura and Lorraine... And I think David, too, I mean, he was a part of this, Mm -hmm. you know, that they, in preparation for this man to come into Laura's life, that they were to be following a very strict, basically, purification uh, process Mm -hmm. that uh, sounds a whole lot like starving themselves to death, you know? Yeah, it really does. Like,
1: that was, they were intentionally depriving themselves.
0: Mm -hmm. And then uh, as both women died in the house, there was an indication from David that he, the reason that he had not given uh, this information over to the authorities is that this was a part of the plan. Yeah. Yeah. The plan, you know, you talk about some shared
1: mental illness in a family. Good heavens. Shared delusion.
0: Yeah. Shared delusion. And so he, hadn't uh, reported and was just letting these bodies, uh, you know, decompose in his house that he was eating in, sleeping in, living in, because it was all part of this master divine plan for his daughter, who was dead, to marry a man who was going to be the prophet. That's, I'm sure, very simplified. We have made some public records requests. We are hoping to get a hold of the criminal complaint, and see what else we can get from court transcripts, because yeah. we really, really want to understand these journal pages better. We don't know if we're going to be able to get anything. We've been run in big circles trying we to come have. up with the information we're looking for. So we're trying. And yeah. if we can come up with more of that, you guys, of course, will be the first to know. One thing we found in researching this case is a lot of it is just the same information regurgitated by multiple news sites. We, we've found a couple of you know, news sites that veered away from the norm. But a lot of them are, they're pretty much the same. And, and I'll tell you why or, or why I believe that to be the case, mm-hmm. at least in this area, is that this case was treated with a lot of sensitivity, which is fine. I don't have a complaint with that. Sure. One thing we've seen in this area before, though, when there have been some suspicious things or even a couple of pretty horrifying deaths uh there is a real circling of the wagons yeah to protect i think the church mm-hmm. uh the families because there
1: was this weird component of their delusion got all mixed up with their mormon beliefs you know sound mm-hmm. familiar sound like any other case we're talking about
0: mhm and so It seems as though perhaps information was quite limited in order to keep that uh, curtain closed. Yeah. And when you look at the news stories, you really go, wow, really not a lot of new info. I searched Mm -mm. this case on Reddit because Reddit a lot of times will have stuff that you don't find anywhere else. Right. This case isn't even on Reddit. I couldn't find anything. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, This case has
1: stayed under wraps. Maybe we're the first true crime to cover it. I don't know. But I guess having lived in the community when it happened, I mean, I remember. And a lot of it, I think, was out of respect for Lorraine's family. Just, you know, they had battled forever, you know, 10 years or more probably with this situation. And, uh, you know, what they said is that the isolation was David isolating Laura and Lorraine. Yeah, that's what mm-hmm. they believed,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but then you get into all this other stuff that they have going on, and you really wonder: was yeah. it actually David isolating them? Yeah, I mean, we'll never know, but it, it 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 does make me question it because they're they were so fervent in their belief that I really think that there was more to this that it wasn't just him.
0: Yeah. Not saying that he
1: wasn't negligent because he was oh, yeah. definitely negligent, but I don't think it was just him controlling them. I do honestly feel because he was going to work every day. Right. He was going right. to work at the site where he had to ride a bus for two hours. You know, like, right. They could have left the house. They could have visited family. They could have done all kinds of things because he was mm-hmm. a long ways away.
0: Yeah. He didn't. No. You they know? also wouldn't answer the phone. No. You, no one could call them because the phone would just ring. They wouldn't answer the phone. Uh, you know, some people had said that there had been a falling out in the family and that's why they weren't coming around. But that's really not what the indication that they gave was, you yeah. know.
1: And and I don't know if maybe, you know, there was some falling out over this belief from Laura that some of the family was like, that's a little crazy. I don't know. You know, and that mm-hmm. that could have been. But they, they were actively staying away. They were living on the same property mm-hmm. as Lorraine's parents. I mean, they could have walked right. out the door and walked a few feet to visit and they didn't for yeah. a decade.
0: Yep, yeah. But also they wouldn't answer the door. I mean, I know some of you guys are like, why didn't the family just go over there? They did. Yeah. Many times, many, many times they would, they knocked on the door over and over and over. They called, they called again. They, you know, would wait for David to get off the bus and grab him and they just wouldn't give them anything. No, it was just a the, brick the wall. woman would just yep. the blinds were shut. The doors were locked. They wouldn't answer the door. They wouldn't speak to them through the door. They wouldn't give them anything. Yeah. Anything.
1: Even when the police came on a couple of different occasions, they wouldn't answer the door and they had to yell that if they didn't open the door, they were coming back with a warrant. Mm -hmm. And that's what eventually got them to open the door and speak to the police a couple of times. Yeah. I just still though, this is the way we have
0: learned to live. Yep. That's creepy, man. This is the way we've learned to live. Yeah. So that is, in a nutshell, the first part of this case. I mean, do we want to go deeper tonight or do we want to wait? I think let's
1: wait. Um, We'll share kind of what happened because David did face criminal charges. And we'll talk Mm -hmm. about how that happened. And also Mm -hmm. some evaluation done of Lorraine and Laura based on their writings Mm -hmm. And we can talk a little bit about that and about how um, they had some help from um, some FBI profilers and a few things. So we can Mm -hmm. talk about kind of what the resolution was
0: in our next episode. More about who they were. Yeah. Who Laura was and who Lorraine were. They were both well-educated women. Laura was absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And uh, well, I believe Lorraine was as well. And obviously David was as well.
1: I mean, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, serious. three
0: very intelligent people. So, you know, that's, yeah, we'll come back in the next episode and, and detail all of that to try to help you guys, you know, uh, and us understand what in the world went wrong here with this yeah. family that this happened. Yeah. Yeah. All righty. So there you go. Those are the bones. Yep. That's a terrible pun. And I actually didn't mean it at all. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> but there it is so so that's the case that's what happened and again in the next episode we'll flesh out a little oh my god i did it again in the next episode i feel this is bad i might have to bleep those out uh, <laughs> <laughs> in the next episode we will bring more Share. light yes they word. Yes. Uh, what the profilers said, what the mental health evaluations were, you know, based on all of their writings. And again, if we can get a hold of the uh, the public records that we're asking for, we'll have more to share on that too. So yeah, definitely. And we can and talk about And if you're about- local and you remember this case and you want to chime in, I'd love to hear. Your- Please
1: do. There's so yeah. little information out there. Researching it has been challenging.
0: Mm-hmm, it has. It really has. So Alrighty. Well, as you know, you're you are either listening to us on our podcast or you are watching us on YouTube. We had two big things to celebrate this week. We uh we crossed the 2500 uh subscribers threshold here on YouTube, which was a big accomplishment for us, very exciting. And on our podcast, we have now had over 10,000 downloads. Yeah since Ooh. we started this just in February. So that so is. Thank you all for that. Yeah. That's on all of you listening. We really appreciate you. Mm-hmm. We love it. So thanks you guys very much. We do have a Patreon. If you're interested in supporting us that way and getting a little extra content from us, we appreciate it very much. You can find mm-hmm. that over uh, at Patreon, true, true crime paranormal. But of course, if you're here on YouTube, please uh, like or dislike, comment, share, you know what you do we appreciate that a lot. It helps us a lot. So Mm -hmm. we'll be back and we will be, uh, you know, we, there's some things happening in the Vallow case this week. So we will be coming up with those things as well. So you can uh, watch for those. So thanks you guys so much for being here. This is Christy and Katie with True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. Take care. Bye guys.